Happy Mother's Day, moms. Well, all the kids are gone. I was going to ask them what they did for their moms today, but I guess you get, some of you guys are here. I recommend giving your mom a break, cleaning the entire house and just letting her go nap or shop or something. That's what you need to do, all right? Well, um, yeah, I hope you all have some type of wonderful plan in, uh, that you have set up to celebrate your moms today. Now, this year, I asked Heather what she wanted, and, uh, you know, those Ancestry DNA tests always go on sale. So I was like, do you, do you want one of those? So she already knows what she's going to get. Now, those are a lot of fun to do, but I could pretty much already tell you that Heather's results are going to come back very, very Dutch. Actually, she's the, the first part of the first generation in a long time to marry people who aren't Dutch. So uh, when I get together with the family, um, you know, I stand out with all the men who are up here. You'll, uh, you'll see Heather's dad in like two weeks. He's a giant. I guess you could say I've always looked up to him. Um, but, you know, we both like learning about our family history, but I would say I especially enjoy that myself. For instance, um, you know, in researching, I've come to find out that my great-great-grandfather was likely one of the first people to ever be called a redneck. <laughs> he was a coal miner during the, the Union Labor Wars. Now, this happened over 100 years ago now, but when working conditions were bad, when pay wasn't that good, there were a lot of coal miners and other, other workers who would go on protests. Now, unfortunately, these protests would often turn into gunfights between workers and their bosses. And uh, you didn't want to shoot your buddy on accident when you were in a union war having a gunfight. So what you would do is tie a red scarf around your neck. That way you didn't accidentally shoot your friend. Thus the term redneck. Now, recently... I came to learn that we were not always poor coal miners. Much to my surprise and excitement as someone who uh, studies church history and historical theology, my dad uncovered the name of a famous preacher in the family tree, the Puritan preacher Abraham Pearson. He was the son of one of the pastors who came over on the Mayflower. He also was the first president of Yale University back in its founding days. And as it turns out, he was also a missionary to Native Americans, just like my parents are today. I also came to realize that Abraham Pearson had more descendants who followed in his legacy of faith, like Arthur T. Pearson, a distant relative of mine. I'd like to say I'm directly descended from him as well, but he's likely just like an 11th cousin five times removed or something like that. But... uh. He was able to fill the pulpit of Charles Spurgeon after Spurgeon died. Now, it's very exciting for me to look back in my family tree and find a rich legacy of faith like this. But what I still have yet to determine is where my family tree abandoned that legacy. Not only was there a major shift in the family tree from president of Yale University to coal miner, a big change in occupation, but there was a big change in faith. What was it that made them depart from the truth? 
For some families, it was the upheaval of the Great Depression. It was the Civil War. It was some big catastrophe. Maybe it was just one rebellious kid who decided he didn't want anything to do with his family's faith. I don't really know where the legacy of faith died in my family. But somewhere along the way, my ancestors stopped following Jesus Christ. The legacy of faith died. The rich faith of the Pearsons was not handed down. What happened to their legacy of faith? I don't know. But it did not end forever. It was reignited by the faith of one of my grandmothers. And I'll come back to that a little bit later on in our message. But at times in life, we'll come across things that will test our faith and the faith of our children. We need to look to the legacy of others in our family to strengthen our faith. And we need to strengthen the faith of the next generation for the tests of faith that will come along in their lives. Today we will be discussing the importance of maintaining a legacy of faith. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy, if you want to go ahead and turn there. First we're going to go to Acts 16, but we're going to park in 2 Timothy. We're going to look at 2 Timothy and consider two women whose faith and legacy as mothers made them monumental pillars of the church. Two women named Lois and Eunice. Now, who were these women? Well, to answer that question, we must first look to a young pastor we know of in the early days of the church, a young man named Timothy. We first come across Timothy in the book of Acts, in Acts 16, when Paul is traveling and comes across a young disciple who seems to have impressed many people by his faith. Acts 16, 1 through 3 says, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So we have this young man who apparently stood out in the Christian community as being a disciple, someone who was well spoken of for his faith. This is someone the Apostle Paul took note of right away and asked this young man to accompany him in his ministry. Now, a few things stand out about his background. First, his father was a Greek and his mother was Jewish. From what little details we have, it would seem that Timothy's mother was now a Christian, a Jew who had accepted that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. But this short blurb also seems to suggest that his father, a Greek, was not a believer. Now the wording in the Greek, the tense of the verbs used to describe his dad, also seems to hint that his father was dead. It was just his mother that was still around. And we will see this seems to be the case of Timothy in Paul's second letter written to him. 2 Timothy was written to this young man once he was already established as a young pastor in the church. 
towards the end of Paul's ministry. Paul writes to encourage this young pastor, to encourage Timothy when things were getting difficult for him, when things were challenging him in his walk and in his ministry, to remain faithful to his calling as a Christian and as a minister of the gospel. Paul writes in 2 Timothy saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is now, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Paul is writing to this young disciple because Timothy is facing some challenges. We find out from other parts of this letter that there were people in the church causing disturbances. There were people who were um, spreading false teaching. And they were upsetting people's faith by spreading false heresies. The Apostle Paul clearly states that despite the difficulties that he knows that Timothy is facing, he is sure of the young disciple's faith. He is persuaded of Timothy's faith. So Paul reminds Timothy of his strong faith and reminds him also of the legacy of faith that was handed down to him, a legacy of faith that he needed to remember when facing the challenges and difficulties that lied ahead. When we face challenges and difficulties in our own lives, we need to strengthen our faith by remembering the legacy of faith that has come before us. When we face challenges and difficulties in our own lives that challenge our faith, we need to strengthen that faith and remember the legacy of faith that has come before us. And where did Timothy's legacy of faith originate? Well, first, we see that it started with his grandmother, Lois, who was likely a Jew who awaited the coming of Messiah in faith. And, of course, his mother, Eunice. Now, we don't have much more that we're told about these two women, but we know the legacy that they left. They imparted to their son and grandson the strength of their own faith, a legacy of faith that Paul now reminds Timothy of to encourage and strengthen him. This is a beautiful personal note on the part of Paul to his young disciple, honoring and tributing um, these, these women for their clear accomplishment of establishing a legacy of rock-solid faith in their family, even when their father was not a believer and may not have been around at all. 
the legacy of faith of these two women would be carried out in Timothy, one of the most important pastors in the young church, someone whose ministry would help to spread Christianity around the globe. The strength of that legacy started at home with his grandmother and his mother. A legacy of faith that impressed the Apostle Paul and impressed others as it showed up in the life of this young man named Timothy. Paul goes on in chapter 3 to encourage Timothy in the face of the false teaching that he was dealing with. Paul noted that these false teachers in the church were people who just liked to multiply error. They liked to spread things that weren't true. And they would go from bad to worse, this being deceived by other people and deceiving others in return. So Paul writes to Timothy in, in light of these challenges, and he tells him, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquaint, acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." When Timothy faced error, when he ran into the challenge of this false teaching that could have rattled the the faith of those in his church, could have tested his own, when that storm of error threatened him with waves of doubt and deceit, he was supposed to cling firmly to the rock of truth that he was taught as a child, the truth that was handed down to him. When these false teachers were advancing new and novel ideas that were foreign to his beliefs, he was to remember the truth and who had taught it to him. Since the day that he was a little boy, as his mom and his grandmother sat him down and pointed him to Scripture time and time again, so that as a man grown up, he was acquainted with the truth since he was a little boy, since his childhood. Now think about the contrast here. These false teachers were always trying to find something new and novel, some idea that somebody had never heard of, something completely unfamiliar. The cure to this threat for Timothy was to remember the goodness of the truth of the gospel that was familiar to him and to remember the legacy of those who had gone before him and taught him the truth. He was supposed to remember his mother and his grandmother. When trials came his way, when temptation threatened his faith, he had to remember and continue the legacy that was taught to him. And we should too. Now there are certainly some of us here who likely don't have mothers, fathers, or grandparents who believed in the gospel. Not all of us come from families of Christians. But if you believe today, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, you are part of a legacy of faith. You have a spiritual family that you can look to when your faith is tested, when challenges come. It is interesting to note that at the beginning of this letter, when Paul is reminding Timothy of the faith of his mother and his grandmother, 
he first briefly mentions that he himself carries on the faith of his ancestors. Paul is reminded of the faith of the people of Israel who went before him. And while he's thinking of these blood connections, mother, grandmother, ancestors, he, um, he uses a certain term to refer to Timothy. He calls Timothy my beloved child. Now, Paul wasn't related to Timothy by blood. In place of an unbelieving father, Timothy had the solid rock faith of his mother and his grandmother to guide him. But he also had a dear friend and mentor, Paul. Apparently, the two of the, them were so close, Paul, so close, Paul and Timothy, that Timothy, the last time the two of them had separated, Timothy was brought to tears at Paul leaving. Paul looked forward with longing to the reunion and the joy that it would bring. Think about how close that mentorship had to have been that would lead a grown man to cry. You may not have parents in your life who you could look to and remember their legacy of faith, but who are the Pauls that the Lord has brought into your life? Your spiritual family that has invested in you. Who will you look to remembering and continuing their legacy of faith? Timothy had two women who were strong in the faith, continually pouring their faith into his life that he could look back to and remember when his faith was tested. But he also had Paul. When times come that test your faith, when seasons come and go that would shake your faith and bring those waves of doubt, remember the faith of your mothers, of your fathers, of your grandparents, your pastors, and your mentors. Look to their faith and maintain their legacy. Now, with that in mind, we need to realize that the Lord intends for all of us to continue to pass on that legacy of faith to others. We need to remember that it is our responsibility to pass on the truth and sincere faith to our children as mothers, as fathers, and as grandparents. But don't worry the rest of us are not off the hook either if you don't fall into any of those categories. Now, throughout the history of the church, mothers have played such a pivotal role in passing on faith from one generation to the next. The hearts and knowledge of women, not just mothers, but all women, have formed the lives of untold and uncountable new generations of disciples throughout the centuries. Women in the, the early days of the church, those first few centuries under the Roman Empire, gained quite the public reputation for their acts of kindness. Particularly, one stands out. The women with, from the church would tend to go out into the alleyways of Rome and seek abandoned babies who were left outside by parents who didn't want them. The women of the church would gather up these young children, take them home, and raise them as their own in the community of the church. And it stood out in the Roman Empire as this is an example of our faith. This is the legacy that we pass on. Now, women continued to have an impact on the church. During the medieval 
period, when churches were failing to disciple people as they should have, mothers were the ones who continued to train and teach their children at home. Now, earlier I mentioned the surprise I had at finding a legacy of faith far back in my family tree. But somewhere along the way, our faith had not continued. It was not passed on until my grandmother became a believer. Betty Wolf, as far as I know, was the first believer on either side of my family tree for generations. Not only did my grandmother raise her children in faith, but she also helped to lead both of my parents to the Lord, both my mom and my dad to salvation, and passed along her faith and knowledge of Scripture to untold numbers of people. One year in college, I I went back to the place where many of my relatives are from in in northern Ohio. I took an internship working in northern Ohio as a, a youth ministry intern. And as I was there throughout the summer that that I did that, I I was talking to parents of the youth I was working with, and I was surprised to find out, to see the shock on people's faces when I mentioned that I was Betty Wolf's grandson. And I saw the looks of surprise on their faces and began to hear the stories about how important she was to the lives of the teens that she was around. While raising three teens of her own for a good while as a single mother, my grandmother taught Sunday school. She directed the youth group and mentored young people at the church, many of whom have gone on to become pastors and church leaders in their own churches today. We need mothers and parents and grandparents to carry on the faith for the next generation. We need All those people. When my mother was in high school, she had a best friend named Rose. Now, Rose's parents died while she was still in high school, before she could graduate. And in that time, when things were difficult for her, she looked to a mentor, my grandmother, who became like a second mother to her. Now I know Rose as Aunt Rose. My grandmother's reach went far beyond the confines of her own home. You don't have to be someone's parent to pass on a legacy of faith. You may have heard the expression that it takes a village to raise a child. The truth is that the Lord has made it so that we all need each other if we are to continue to pass along the faith to the next generation. It takes a church to raise a disciple. While we would like, all like to think that we have complete control over the future of our children, we don't. We can't control them. Sometimes they make decisions that we would not like for them. Even the Lord, if we look at the Old Testament, he calls Israel his child, but they continually depart and go a different way. We can faithfully pass along the truth to the next generation, but they must choose their own path at the end of the day. But we can all expand the influence that we have on our children if we remember that we pass on our faith as a community. 
My children need to hear the faith from me and their mother, yes, from both Heather and I. But they also need voices beyond ours to speak into their lives. They need teachers. They need volunteers. They need pastors and youth workers who can come alongside the voices of their parents and tell them this is the truth. Follow it. Yes, mothers and fathers are pivotal for passing on the faith. But maybe you're a Paul, someone that the Lord has strategically placed to pass on a legacy of faith to the children of others. And maybe even to those young people who don't have believing parents to look to on their own. In order to maintain a legacy of faith, we need to remember to continue on with the faith of our mothers and all those who have imparted truth to us. Because difficult times will come and doubts will arise in our lives. And we need to realize that younger Christians will have those same doubts and difficulties. And we must impart a legacy of faith to them as well. So how can we specifically do that today? I want to talk about five practical things we could do. First, we could get to know the stories of our mother's faith. We could get to know our mother's faith. And this can certainly be said of mentors and fathers as well. If we want to be encouraged and strengthened in our walk and calling, we need to remember and honor the legacy of faith of our mothers and our fathers and our mentors. Today is a great day to do that. um, And I'm not just talking to the young people here today either. I'm talking to all of us. If you get a chance to talk to your mom or grandmother today, if you get to call them up, if you get to sit down at lunch at lunch and, and celebrate them, ask them, how did you come to know the Lord? Tell me about your walk with him over the years. Do it over lunch if you get to do that today. Do that when you call them. If your mom or grandmother is no longer here, take time to reminisce with your family about the legacy of their faith. Even better, write down the stories you hear and pass them along to encourage future generations. Second, find a mentor who you could fellowship with and learn from. Now, I don't care if you're 15 or 50. We need other people in our lives. And we need people more experienced than us in the faith. Find someone you can talk to, that you can sit down with, go grab coffee with them. Timothy needed his mother and his grandmother, but Paul was always there for him too. Find someone who you can have, who could have that influence upon your life as well. Spend time, this is number three, third thing we could do to maintain a legacy of faith. Spend time with your children discussing spiritual things, reading scripture, and praying. And this would certainly go for grandparents with their grandkids as well. It's too easy for us to get caught up in the busyness of life as we have work and school and countless other things coming our way. Don't neglect the chance to find moments throughout your interactions with your kids that you can impress upon them a legacy of faith 
for the road ahead. Find those times when you drop them off at school, when you're relaxing at home, when you're eating dinner together. If your kids don't grow up in homes saturated with spiritual conversations, spiritual things won't be that important to them when they're off on their own. If they don't hear you talking about spiritual things at home, it's not going to stick with them once they leave home. You could send them to camp and to youth events all you want, but if spiritual things don't permeate the home, it won't stick with them. Talk with your kids about prayer, about Christian virtues, about scripture, salvation, about God, about theology and loving others. Find those random opportunities to show your kids that their faith matters to you. They need to know that their faith matters to you. My kids are still fairly young. But one of the things that I've decided that I want for my kids is for them to see and hear me praying for their salvation. Our kids need to know that we care. They need to hear us praying for them and their faith. Now, one of the best times that I've found to do this, to let my son know that I am praying for his faith and salvation, is during communion. Now, he's just three years old, so when he sees juice and crackers, he thinks snack time. But, of course, he is not a believer, so it's not for him. So I tell him, nobody, you can't do this. But that gives me a golden opportunity where I could talk to him about salvation, when I could explain to him what Christ did for him. And I've started now when communion's going around and he starts asking me questions, leaning down in his ear where he could hear me praying to the Lord that one day he would come to faith. Our kids need to hear us pray for them. Do it out loud so that they could hear. Our kids need to hear us reading scripture with them as well. Even those difficult passages that you know they're going to have questions that you don't have answers to. I uh, Confession, as the youth pastor, I don't have all the answers for your kids either. Sorry. But sometimes I think as parents we could worry about those times when our kids come to us with questions that we don't have answers to. But your kids need to know that you don't have all the answers. For one, it it teaches them that it's okay to not know everything. That we have a deep God who is sometimes difficult to understand, but that we still love him and we still walk with him in faith anyway. So don't be afraid of those tough conversations to go to difficult parts of scripture with them. When you're discussing challenging life topics around your kids, things neighbors are dealing with, or problems that you see on the news, pray as a family. Tell them right then and there, hey, I want to pray with you about what's going on in our world, what's going on with grandma or grandpa, what's going on with the neighbors. Let your legacy of faith become entrenched in your conversations with your kids so that it becomes entrenched in their lives for the road ahead. Now, number four of how we can maintain a legacy of faith. Make sure your kids are around other Christians who could pour into them. Make sure your kids are around other Christians who could pour into them. Now, like it or not, your kids need other people too. 
Parents are the primary instructors of children in spiritual things. But no two parents, no grandparents possess all spiritual gifts and knowledge themselves. There are other people that your kids need to grow in sanctification and discipleship. Other people who are equipped with knowledge and spiritual gifts that you do not have. Make sure they stay involved in church, in Bible study, in youth group. Make sure that you take advantage of the voices of others who could reinforce what you are telling your kids that couldn't come alongside of you and point your kids in the right direction too. Number five of how we can maintain a legacy of faith. Expand your reach of influence. Expand your reach of influence. Become a Paul or a Paulette to someone else. Let your legacy go on to other people. Instill your faith in the lives of others. My grandmother made sure to instill the faith in her three children. Unfortunately, not all of them followed the Lord. But she also made sure to instill her faith in dozens and dozens of other kids beyond her own three. Find a way to instill your faith in the lives of others. Start by getting to know people. Find a place to serve. Talk with those who run our ministries about how you can get involved. If you want to be an influence on younger people, uh, the best place to start, the most simple place to start is by learning their names. Get to learn who the kids are at our church. Talk with them. Ask them how their week is going. And look for those little opportunities where you could share about the Lord in your conversations with them. By growing in your knowledge of the word yourself, you could find opportunities to pass on knowledge and truth to others. You could pass on a legacy of faith to many, your own children and many, many more. Now, it only takes one generation, one generation for a legacy of faith to die. Somewhere along the way, the legacy of faith that was so rich in my family tree died. It was not passed on. But I was blessed to have a grandmother who was committed to passing on her faith to her children and to many others around her. Through Timothy... Lois, Eunice, and Paul continued their legacy of faith. Like Timothy, we need to look to the legacy of our mothers to encourage us when our faith is challenged, remembering, that they're, remembering their faith and continuing to press on as they did. And we need to be sure to pass on our faith to our children and others, making sure that our legacy of faith continues enriching their lives with the truths of god and his word so as you go out today as you celebrate mother's day and all that your mothers and grandmothers do for you ask your mom and grandmas about their faith ask them when they came to know the lord thank them for the role they play in passing that legacy on to you let's pray Father, I thank you for mothers. None of us would be here without them, Lord, and uh, they have done so much in our lives. 
Lord, just to make sure that we continue to survive. And Lord, we thank you so much for the women and the mentors and the fathers and the grandmothers and the grandfathers that you've put into our lives who could pour the truth into us, that could remind us what it means to walk by faith. And Lord, I pray that we would look to them in those times when our faith is tested, that their faith would encourage us to continue to press forward. And Lord, I pray that we would not let their legacy die with us, Lord, but that we continue to pass it on to others, that we'd find our ways with our own children and with others to share and pass on a legacy of faith. I pray that through that, your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.